0: episode number 19 of the Nevada Traveler podcast. I'm your host, Jordan. Thanks for tuning into the show. If this is your first time, welcome to the adventure. The Nevada Traveler podcast is presented by NevadaTraveler.net, where you can see everything we discuss and more. So check that out at your leisure. You can find the Nevada Traveler podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. And if you would, please rate, review, and subscribe. So before I dig into today's show, we're going to do a little housekeeping note on streaming. The podcast has been uploaded to YouTube since its creation. YouTube is a fantastic platform. But for this show, my show, it has been kind of flat. Majority of the listens have come from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other streaming apps. Not from YouTube. So the YouTube channel has seen a rebirth. I have actually removed the podcast from the YouTube channel. And well, I've changed the channel name to simply Nevada Traveler to keep the theme of my Instagram, which is Nevada underscore Traveler. I'm in no way abandoning the channel. Just the content will be focused towards our adventures of off-roading, biking, kayaking, and wherever else we catch on camera and feel is worth sharing. So check that out, the all-new Nevada Traveler YouTube channel. I'll post a link in the description. And while you're there, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss anything. Now, if you're one of those who prefers to use a YouTube-type platform to get your shows, bear with me as I navigate how I want to do it. Um, I haven't decided if I want to host it video-wise on the website, or if I want to start putting it on Facebook, you can check out the Nevada Traveler podcast Facebook page. Um, That could eventually be the home for the new video version of the podcast. But for right now, going back to audio-only versions, streaming versions only, This will help move forward, hopefully sooner than later, and give me the opportunity to decide how to do live shows as the show grows and I navigate my way through the podcast world. With that, I'd like to just say thank you for all the love you've shown the podcast since its creation 19 weeks ago. It's graduated high school and off to crazier things. In a couple of weeks, the show will be 21 on its 21st episode, which if all goes planned, I hope to bring episode 21 as the first live episode for the show. It's a couple weeks away, and I will share more info on how that's going to work out in next week's episode, so stay tuned. And since I'm talking about change before we get into today's show, I'll stay on that road for a moment. Also, as the podcast continues to grow, I've decided to make a format change. For the last few episodes, I've given a weekly recap on all things motorsports, and this is because I'm a motorsports nerd, and I love racing. To me, if you put two crickets on the ground next to each other, it's a race. But I'm completely understanding in the fact that not all of my listeners are racing fans. Plus, you can Google the results of an event at any time. You could be doing it now. While listening to my show. So I've d- decided to change that segment. I'll still touch on racing in a fashion, but not a recap. I'll talk about upcoming events and major news. As that happens... But I'm not going to spend 20 minutes of each episode talking about what happened last week when you can go to YouTube and see it. So I'll quit with the changes now and let's get into today's show. The Traveler Podcast. I'm your host Jordan. Thanks for tuning into the show. If this is your first time, welcome to the adventure. Let's dive right into this week's episode with our week in review. So let's go. Last week I touched on making a pretty drastic change in my professional career and I can confidently tell you, so far, probably the best career move I've ever made. I survived my first two weeks without a single mention of the plumbing and heating industry or anything related to it. I've made the switch into power sports and the off-road community professionally. If you would've asked me five years ago that I'd be working in an industry that I enjoy and have a passion for, I'd have told you to go pound sand. Now, I have to say, the mechanical trades treated me very well over the last decade. From installing to project management, moving into sales was a fantastic adventure. It took me places I never would have gone otherwise. It was fun, it was challenging, and it was the challenge that I enjoyed. But there isn't a single person that hasn't looked in the mirror and asked themselves, what's next? So I'm pumped for the new opportunity and I'm excited for the all new challenges ahead. Besides the new job, I had a birthday last week. Caitlin and I both landed the day off, so we spent it taking a day of ease. Took a drive around Lake Tahoe. Enjoyed breakfast at Peg's. Which if you ever visit Reno, go there. It will not disappoint. We got a pretty good trail ride in on Sunday. Mapped a new trail in El El Dorado Canyon. About an hour south of home. Very cool trail. A lot of rocks, but a beautiful ride along a creek into the valley and through some trees. You can see a video From that ride, on my YouTube channel, Nevada Traveler, and I will post a link in the description. Talking about trails, one of our favorite riding areas on the border of Nevada and California was knotted up over the last week. Sierra County, California posted new signs at the entrance of the National Forest Service land, closing the roads to off-road vehicles. I briefly mentioned it last week, but it's still new to all of us in the area and we're trying to get clarity on on what that means for the community of riders. Sierra County and the National Forest Service announced plans to create new trails in the region, but have not released any further information about where the trails will be and what kind of trails they will be, so on and so forth. So again, I wanna remind everyone when the trails close, we all lose. And this situation unfolding in our backyard is a prime example of that. Moving on, gonna kind of bounce around today with some various, some various stuff. Um, I'm gonna start with by staying in the realm of off-road, um, talking about our UTV, I've touched on it in the past, but today I'm giving you a no-filter, no BS review of our rig. Now that we've crossed the 1,000-mile mark, so I'll start with the basics. We have a 2020 CF Z Force 500 Trail, 50-inch trail model. If you want to learn all the specs, you can check it out at cfmotousa.com or see your local dealer. Um, I'm not going to read through the specs line by line. If you're interested, the internet's a wonderful thing. 1,000 miles is crazy. We picked up our buggy in June of 2020, height of the pandemic, lockdowns and such, and decided to buy it after I kept beating up my uh, TRD Tacoma Sport, which was also my daily driver, was looking at Polaris. At the time, they were hard to get, and we wanted to go the Trail model, which, at the time, the only Razor Polaris had in that 50-inch stance was the Razor 570, which nobody had them, and what we learned earlier this year is they were phasing them out. Today, Polaris has the Razor Trail and Razor Trail S models, which I covered their release of in a previous episode. So, like we all do these days with technology at our fingertips, I turned to Google Magic. Found a local dealer who stocked the CFMoto, Moto, who also happened to be the Polaris dealer. Which, at the time, I was asking the same question you might be. Who the hell is CFMoto? If you go to their website, they tell you they are a world-class ATV manufacturer that completely shatters your expectations of what an all-terrain vehicle can do. Sounds like your typical try-to-rope-you-in sales tagline you see everywhere. But I started the research. They've been in the US market since 2002 with a headquarters in Minnesota, which is, as everyone knows, Polaris's backyard. After a couple calls and emails with the dealer, I stopped in. Now, love or hate Polaris, you have to respect them. They started what we know today as high-performance sports side-by-sides. They are who the entire industry is trying to be, or trying to beat. Walking into a Polaris dealership to look at a different machine is honestly kind of weird. Everywhere you looked in the shop was top-of-the-line razors, and in the corner sat what would become our side-by-side. I'll save you the boring details of spending a few hours at the dealership, doing paperwork, and let's move on to the first ride. As everybody does, you get home with a brand new spotless buggy with about four miles on it. and Of course, you're going to jump in and go for a ride. The first ride didn't go well. As part of my 1,000 mile review today, I'm laying it all out. The good, the bad, the ugly. And that first ride was ugly. About 10 miles in our first ride, it came to a sudden halt. Our new machine sat in the Nevada dirt trail with a broke steering knuckle. Not the perfect first impression. No indication there was any issue. All of a sudden, snap. No steering input in the right front wheel, five miles from home, no cell service, and a couple people out who just wanted to make a quick ride on their new toy, completely unprepared. After a few F-bombs and kicking rocks, I rigged my belt into place and got it home. Sacrificed a belt. It was a nice belt, too. It was a mission. If you haven't checked out Mission Belts, check them out. Um, It's pretty much all I use anymore. Um... Yeah, not a sponsor of the episode. I just wanted to say, hey, Gray Belts, it's part of the podcast. The dealer was incredibly helpful in getting me a new tie rod, and I had it trail ready again in a couple of days. Following that, major miles. And not moseying around the farm miles rough trails and pushing limits of what our machine was designed for, or really what any machine is designed for in the sport, off-road side by side community. So again, I've touched on it. We're, I'm at that thousand, we've exceeded 1,000 miles. Everybody wants to hear the negative. So I'm just going to start with the negative. And I've talked with people at CFMoto about this. I have honestly only two complaints, two, out of all the working parts, all the components, everything that can go wrong on these machines, I have two complaints, the first one being the the tie rod ends, the steering knuckles. They're not big enough and they're not strong enough. In that thousand miles, I have broken another one. So I've broken a total of two. So the one on it now is the third on that axle which everyone knows tie rods are wear and tear parts they they bend they break it happens but not the way these ones have these they ha- they they have been bending before they break and it's super weird um i think i'll post a picture if i still have one of the last one on instagram or facebook maybe i'll post it both if i still have a picture i'll put a picture up of of what they look like and how they broke so that's been an issue it's the first thing i look at when i load the buggy after a ride because of the issues we've had it's just one of those things always in the back your back of your mind that says, hey, am I going to break another tie rod today? So there's that. Now, my next complaint has a double-edged sword to it because we have a trail model. We wanted a trail model. We wanted the narrow footprint to navigate these trails with big rocks to navigate the national forest trails that are very narrow. Um, And that 50 inch stance is absolutely perfect for that. I wouldn't change it. The downside, I guess the sacrifice you make is serviceability. And the one component that they need to, to figure out how to access better is the belt. The CBT belt. I carry a spare belt and tools because belts fail. You can tear up a belt at any time. It happens. It's another one of those wear and tear parts, which I don't have a complaint about. I understand. I understand the design, I understand how they work. My complaint isn't that you have to replace a belt. My complaint is access to the belt. i probably pull the cover off and inspect our belt far more than most people do. And there's a couple reasons for that. One, we get off on trails that take us 40 miles from, not just from where we started, but 40 miles from cell service. So there's no communication via cell phone. Now I've touched on it in the past, carrying a radio, what we take with us, we have emergency communication. But with that said, if I shred a belt in the middle of the desert, the way CFMoto designed the engine and the motor and everything and how it sits in the chassis, It is an almost impossible job to replace on the trail. Can't get to it. You have to remove the driver's seat and pop some rivets out to remove a plastic panel behind the driver's seat. And just maybe you can get the CVT cover off. So I inspect our belt a lot. Anytime I'm changing the oil, anytime I'm cleaning the air filter, as soon as I've got my face in front of that CBT cover, I take the time and the effort to inspect the belt because I don't want to ever have to experience trying to change that belt in the middle of the desert. It would be absolutely miserable. But that is really my two major complaints. Those are the two biggest negatives of our machine. Now, the positives. I touched on one briefly 50 inches wide, a true 50 inch wide side by side. Yes, it's narrow. But for Caitlin and I, we have perfect space. It's not like we're cramped in the cabin. The storage is fantastic, has a massive glove box, has a massive cargo box to carry anything you need to carry. Has perfect storage in the front for tools, spare parts. Um, I Before I carry on any further, I carry a spare belt and I carry a spare tie rod and miscellaneous other things, but those two are like must-haves. With everything about our machine, it does not weigh much, a little over 1,200 pounds empty. 50 inches wide, we have not found an area that we haven't been able to navigate one way or another through it, whether it's through trees or through rocks. And we have about 11 and a half inches of ground clearance. I touched on that, thousand miles has been rough thousand miles yes the skid plates cracked it's missing a few pieces it's beat up it's what the skid plates there for even with 11 inches of ground clearance yeah there are times where i go over top of a rock that cruising down the trail i think i'm gonna clear it and i bump it it happens everybody does it every day But for the design of the machine, it's perfect for navigating these narrow, tight areas. Another positive is the price point. Polaris' competing model just released here a couple months ago, the Razor Trail, the fifty-inch model starts at, I believe, don't quote me on this, but I think the starting MSRP is somewhere around thirteen or fourteen thousand. The MSRP on on RCF Moto is less than ten grand. It's less than ten thousand dollars. And it comes with things from the factory standard that nobody else does. It comes with a roof. It comes with a winch. Without special packages on competitors, you don't get those things. You have to add them. Yeah, you can go to a... Polaris dealership or an Articat dealership or a Can-Am dealership and they've got models on the floor with a winch on it but it's your special package. It's your add-ons and it drives the price up. CFMoto said, let's just put it on. What a lot of people don't know about CFMoto is part of the Design came from an engineer who left Polaris. Some guys who were involved with design of the razor. So there are some similarities. Quite a few similarities. Because again, I touched on Polaris is who everybody's trying to be. So after a thousand miles on our machine, I have zero complaints. For something that has taken the abuse that we've put it through, and I can walk out to my garage right now, start it up, and go do it all again, is impressive. And again, it, it's going to sound like I'm throwing a lot of shade at Polaris. And I'm really not. Polaris makes beautiful machines. They They make the best. But Polaris, just like a lot of automobile manufacturers, make their money in parts. Polaris belts don't last as long. Clutches don't last as long. So it's just something to think about. If you're in the market or you want to get into riding a UTB and you don't want to drop 25K on a brand new Polaris Razor Turbo, look at CFMoto. That's all I'm saying. And I'm not really talking about this this week to get you to go buy one. I'm just giving you my honest opinion because that's what I do here on this podcast. So enough about UTVs today. Let's talk about racing, (laughs) which if you listened all the way through the intro before I started the show today, I talked about some format changes and all of that fun stuff, but I am going to talk about NASCAR a little bit, but I'm not going to give you race results. I'm going to talk about what is coming this weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway in Bristol, Tennessee. If you're a NASCAR fan, not a NASCAR fan, if you know what Bristol Motor Speedway is, it is the world's fastest half-mile racetrack. A half-mile racetrack, high-banked, concrete racetrack that has held some of the greatest short-track racing in NASCAR history. This weekend, the NASCAR Cup Series is doing something it has not done in 50 years. 50, 5 0. For the first time in 50 years, Sunday, the NASCAR Cup Series is going to race on dirt. But there's a catch it's not on a dirt track. It's not on Knoxville. It's not on Eldora or Volusia or any of the famous dirt tracks around the country. Over the course of the last few months, Bristol Motor Speedway has added sawdust, clay, dirt, more dirt to the top Of Bristol Motor Speedway's. Paved race track. And it pisses me off. And you might not care why. But I'm going to get into why. First off. I think this is where it gets me the most. There are thousands of high quality dirt tracks around the country. I touched on a couple of them there that could easily spend spend some money and have grandstand capacity and requirements to host the best stock car drivers in the world. On a real dirt track. A track purposely built to be a dirt track. But NASCAR's not going there. For the last few years, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series has raced on dirt. They've run the Summer Classic at Eldora, which is owned by NASCAR Hall of Famer Tony Stewart. Tony Stewart in the past has even said, we're ready to host a cup race. (coughs) Excuse me. Tony Stewart has spent a lot of his own money making his facility capable of hosting an event of that caliber. But not only is NASCAR not taking the Cup Series to Eldora, the NASCAR Truck Series, who's raced at Eldora the last few seasons, is not going back to Eldora. The Truck Series are also racing at Bristol this weekend. But the Truck Series Summer Classic has moved to Knoxville, Iowa, home of the Knoxville Nationals which I think is great because Iowa Speedway, the paved racetrack, lost their Xfinity in truck races. So at least that market is getting a Premier Series race. But Bristol, a paved racetrack, and if you've been a fan of motorsports in any capacity. Bristol tried this before. Not with NASCAR. The World of Outlaws, Sprint Cars, and Modifieds race there on dirt before Bristol repaved to what we know today as Bristol Motor Speedway. And you go back and look at driver comments from that event it had a lot of negative feedback now Bristol has even said that they've done it differently the track is configured differently they've provided a lot more dirt I guess is about all you can really say It upsets me. Now, with that said, it's something new. And it's not upsetting to me because it's something new. It's upsetting to me because of that they could have gone anywhere. Why mess with Bristol? But there's that interest factor. A lot of eyes are going to be on TV this weekend, seeing what the forty best stock car drivers in the world can do on dirt at Bristol Motor Speedway. I'll give some bold predictions. I think one of one out of two things are going to happen. Maybe say one out of three things is going to happen. It's either going to be a snooze fest because NASCAR Cup cars are not built to run on dirt and they're just going to mosey around until the last lap and then fight for the finish. Second, second prediction is going to be a wreck fest. Full blown wreck fest. Because again, NASCAR Cup Series cars are not built to race on dirt. And the third prediction is, it could be the greatest race of the year. We'll find out on Sunday. Because we we just don't know. It's a giant unknown in the motorsports world. But all I got to say about it, and again, everything I say on my show is my opinion. From what I can tell right now, NASCAR has ruined a Bristol race. They've taken a fast-paced, high-banked, short-track race from the fans. Do I hope they prove me wrong? Absolutely. I hope it turns into a wild success and they actually give real dirt track, short track racing with the Cup Series cars a try. One more thing before I, I leave this NASCAR rabbit hole that I've gone down. I racing iRacing, if you're not familiar with it, is a racing simulator, video game, online, high-end racing. Online. Video game. This is more of a rant than anything. I think it's fantastic that the best drivers in the world get on their iRacing rigs at home and do these simulated racing. Great. If you want to stream it on YouTube or Twitch or wherever people stream this stuff anymore, great. Why are they televising it? Personally, for me, if I want to watch somebody race a NASCAR car on a video game on screen, I'm going to go into my living room and turn the PlayStation on. Just saying. Quit televising video games. It's weird. That was more of a rant. I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening and tuning in. If you would please rate and review, like and subscribe so you don't miss anything. You can also check out the podcast on Facebook, Facebook. forward slash Nevada Traveler. And if you want to see all of our videos from our off-road adventures, kayaking, whatever else we're doing, whatever I catch on camera, you can check that on YouTube, Nevada Traveler. I'll post links in the descriptions. And if you would like to follow me personally, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, username Nevada underscore Traveler. With all the craziness going on in the world, I hope everyone stays safe, stays healthy, and enjoys everything that you do every day. I am Jordan, and this has been the Nevada Traveler Podcast So long, everybody.